Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. Hey, welcome back, folks. Great to have you with us. Things are popping. Things are sizzling. Things are cooking. You're at the right place to have it all make sense. That's what we do here. We make the complex understandable. And we do it in a way that makes you love your country, not hate it. Great to have you here as always. The telephone number is 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. What did I tell you yesterday? What did I tell you? So here comes the big news. Let's see, this is Thursday, right? So on Tuesday, late Tuesday, the drudge headline, McConnell announces he doesn't have the votes to stop witnesses. I said, don't believe it. There's some kind of a play going on here. There's some kind of a move being made. Lo and behold, don't doubt me, folks. It was only a matter of hours until we learned that the Republican caucus launched. What happened was that McConnell had a, I guess, a 20-30 meeting, a 20-30 minute meeting with Lisa Murkowski, then an entire caucus lunch. And they came out of there, and the news was exactly what I thought it was going to be. They don't have four Republicans are going to vote for witnesses. And that's why the Democrats, this this guy from Maryland, Chris Van Hollandemar, supposedly is going to make a motion to allow the chief justice to call for witnesses and the chief justice to call for documents. And we don't know how that's going to go because the chief justice is obviously on the Democrat side here. It may be more proper to say that the chief justice doesn't like Trump. I mean, this we know. The chief justice is a never-Trumper. And uh, yesterday, Rand Paul attempted to ask a question that included the name Eric Sharamella. Eric Sharamella is the whistleblower. And the chief justice said, we're not going to allow that. You can't trick me. We're going to have the whistleblower's name here. Everybody knows who it is, but we're not going to let it happen here. Not on the floor of the United States Senate. Now, let me tell you what I think is really going on here, folks. It's a little, I mean, this is, uh, you got to see the stitches on the fastball here. You got to be able to see the spin on the curveball. But I want to tell you what's going on. And it's it's not, if, if you've been following the drive-by media, this may seem not what you're hearing. But then again, that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here to get this unique take. There was a distinct change in mood and a distinct change in tone yesterday. And I think that the the change of events is a reminder that you in this audience, and a lot of people should not listen to establishment Republican squishes or the never-Trumpers They have been advocating that Trump change his strategy, that Trump admit that it wasn't a perfect call, uh, that Trump do this and do that in the hopes of making this go away. Well, Donald Trump knows, and he's demonstrated now for how many years running. It's not how you deal with these people. You don't deal with bullies by letting them have a punch or two at you. The way you deal with bullies... Is force. And the left and their buddies in the media represent bullies in this entire four year charade here to overturn the election results 2016. Is my contention the only thing the left understands is force. 
And I think they will melt if the Senate Republicans just stand firm on this. And I'll tell you why I think they'll melt here in just a second. But if the president had been listening to the advice that he's getting from some of the... Well, I call them rhinos or establishment Republicans. I, I think I think we'd be in dire straits right now. Uh, but the president is not listening to them. Uh, Trump's guys, I think, are doing one heck of a job, and they can shut this farce down by tomorrow. One thing that's happening that you're not going to see reflected anywhere in the drive-by media, Adam Schiff is figuring out that he's going to be discovered and outed as a pathological liar if witnesses are called. If witnesses are called and if we get anywhere near the entire process involving this whistleblower, Schiff knows that he is toast. Trump is going to win this one, folks. He's going to win this one like he won the Mueller episode. You know, a lot of people on our side didn't think Trump was going to beat Mueller. Oh, my God. There are the arrays of government. The forces are arrayed against Trump. and One man can't beat this stuff back. But the... Reason we were always confident here is that they've never had any evidence. Now I don't want to sound like a broken record, but there hasn't in this case there's no impeachable offense. There is no high crime or misdemeanor. The whole thing is manufactured and made up. Carter Page is now finally going to start suing Democrats, the DOJ, the Carter, the uh, Perkins Coey law firm, long overdue. Tulsi Gabbard, by the way has tried to serve Hillary Clinton with the lawsuit. Twice Hillary Clinton refuses service. Hillary Clinton's running around hiding from the process servers. They'll come up with a trick. They'll find a way to get her served. But here's Hillary Clinton supposedly interested in justice and fairness. She's out there saying Tulsi Gabbard's a Russian agent. Tulsi wants to sue her. Back to all this. Something is up. It looks to me, despite the um, momentary glimpses you get as presented by the drive-by media, I think the Democrats, not all, I think some of them are in the process here of caving while trying to disguise what they're doing. You know, the inspector general, there's 17, 18 witnesses that Schiff had, in his underground bunker there where Republicans got no witnesses. We're 18. We've only heard from 17 of them. And the witness that we didn't hear from was the inspector general testimony. That has been redacted. If that testimony ever gets out, Schiff knows. Schiff knows he's lied about Sharamella, the whistleblower. Schiff knows that he has lied from the very beginning. Schiff knows that he was instrumental in establishing the whistleblower. He was instrumental in directing the whistleblower. He was instrumental in structuring the whole thing. And he knows that if 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 that comes out, if the beans get spilled on that. Then what's next? The beans are going to get spilled on the Biden caper. The Democrats have so much at stake here. They want to make it look like it's Trump who is at great risk. But it is the Democrats. Schiff is at great risk if he values his credibility and his reputation. And so is Biden. 
And I don't think at the end of the day, either of those two actually want anything they've done in this regard to be exposed. Now, they'll be huffing and puffing about the need for witnesses and the bias of Republicans and the fact that Republicans don't want to get to the truth. But that's just huffing and puffing. Schumer was so out of control today that Fox News cut away from his press conference. We are faced going forward with the very kind and nature of government we're going to have. If Donald Trump cannot be removed from office, he didn't say that, but it's what he means. If Donald Trump can't be removed from office, we may not ever be able to keep the kind of government we have. Along those lines, let me interrupt my analysis. Let me show you how wacko these people are getting. Grab sound bites number 19 and 20. Tuesday on PBS, Christiana Manpour has a show. She's all over the place. It's CNN. She's over in the Middle East. She's in the UK. She's doing foreign policy stuff. She's a journalist and expert in foreign policy. She's interviewing for her show, Amanpour and Company, Walter Isaacson and Ted Koppel, former moderator, host of Nightline. Here's the question to Ted Koppel. Do you think there is any way that the country gets back to what I guess you and I would call the old normal? Let's say, for the sake of argument, that whoever the Democratic candidate is defeats Donald Trump in November. Do you think he will be a gracious loser? Do you think that he will accept defeat and reach out the hand of friendship to whoever is going to replace him? Uh, I don't think so. Can I see Donald Trump at that point making the argument that uh, the election was stolen? Possibility. And I think there are, unfortunately, millions of people in this country today who would respond to that. Could it lead to violence? Yes, it could. Donald Trump is the guy they're trying to throw out of office, claiming that he stole the election, claiming that he colluded with Russia, claiming that he was a traitor. It's all been found to be baseless. And now here they are speculating. If Trump wins, he, if Trump loses, he's not going to leave. He's going to become Hitler. If Trump loses, he's not going to leave, and he's going to accuse the election. He's going to accuse the whole thing of being rigged. He will not be gracious. You know, this, it, it's stunning. Back in the campaign of 2016, the last debate, I think it was, Clinton and Trump, and they asked Trump, Will you tell us right now, it's like a week or two before the election, will you tell us tonight that if you lose the election that you will concede and you will go away? And Trump said, hell no, I'm not going to tell you that tonight. I'm not going to let you have a headline that says Trump concedes election in final debate. Trump is smart enough not to fall for that question. And Hillary made a big deal from that point forward about how Trump is a threat to democracy, why he will not accept it if he loses. You just heard him say it. You just heard him. He will not accept that if he loses the election, he will not accept. And then look at what happened. Hillary loses and she still hasn't accepted it. Hillary loses and the Democrats still haven't accepted it. Hillary loses. The Democrats are still trying to reverse it. And yet... Now, three years later, is Ted Koppel speculating that if Trump loses, he won't leave. 
But how about this question? Uh, do you think there is any way that the country gets back to what I guess you and I would call the old normal? What is the old normal? You and I all know what the old normal is. The Washington establishment running things with very little input from the American people. That's what really upsets them going. The the American people have too much say in what's going on here by virtue of electing Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's committing one of the greatest sins in politics. He's actually doing what he said he was going to do. He's committing promises and he's doing what the American people elected him to do. He is representing them and he's improving the country on their behalf for everybody. And that, why is that not a great new normal, folks? Why is unemployment at a 50-year low not a great new normal? Why is rising incomes, particularly in the lower-income groups, why is that not a great new normal? Why is America now a net exporter of energy, no longer dependent on foreign... Why is that not the great new normal? Why is reduced illegal immigration... Not a great new normal. Why isn't all of the improvements that have happened in this country, culturally, socially, economically, why are all of those things not the great new normal? What what the hell normal do these people want to return to? Barack Hussein, oh, let me find something here, folks, a quick headline. Time is just racing by. We got Vice President uh, Pence on the program from Iowa, by the way, in the next hour. Here, look at this. Look at this. U.S. life expectancy increases for the first time since Obama leaves office. Okay, the headline doesn't really say that, but that's what it means. Let me read you the real headline. U.S. life expectancy increases for first time in four years. Well, what happened four years ago? Obama lost and he got out of there. U.S. Life, what? Why isn't this a great new normal? U.S. life expectancy increases. Why fatal drug overdoses dropped in 2018 for the first time in nearly 30 years? Cancer-related deaths also declined. Life expectancy, one of the greatest things about the human condition in free countries. The standard of living, life expectancy, increased for the first time in four years. Do you realize life expectancy was declining during the Obama administration? Why is this not a great new normal instead of something we have to abandon and go back to something that was not nearly as good? We have time. Yeah, here's Walter Isaacson. He was on the same show. This is the guy that wrote the biography of Steve Jobs. He's written a lot of biographies. I know Walter Isaacson. He used to run CNN almost. He tried to hire me to do stuff there uh, until people found out about it. And then he needed security in his own building to get from his office to the commissary without being mauled by his own staff. He runs something called the Aspen Institute. Listen to this. She, uh, she, the question is, is there any way that we, yeah, we get back to what I guess you and I would call the old normal now? Koppel says, I don't think Trump's going to leave. If he loses, I think he's going to get a big problem. That's when Isaacson joins in. Your family, your parents escaped Germany, uh, I think, in 1937, yeah. got to England. Is that comparison in any way valid? I don't think so. No. There is still something unique 
about America and the many, many voices, I mean, so far at least. That's why it bothered me so much when some people on the left began talking early on about the resistance. We're nowhere near that in this country yet. And no, I don't see that yet. Is it possible? It's not beyond possibility that we could slide more in that direction. But do I see a precise parallel with Nazi Germany? I do not. Do you believe this? These clowns are actually discussing whether or not Trump represents the United States on a trajectory that would take us back to Nazi Germany. And Koppel, thank goodness, says not yet, but he reserves the right to change his mind. These people are losing their minds. Schiff in the trial yesterday did something that, that would have been caused a mistrial if it had happened in court. He starts accusing Trump of things not in their articles of impeachment. Bribery, shakedowns. They're, I'm telling you, they're scratching the bottom of the barrel now. My analysis is still not complete. That's going to happen when we get back. So don't go anywhere. Okay, so bottom line here. I, I'm i not sure. I don't think they have the votes to call witnesses, and I think they know it. And I think that what isn't being reported, and probably nobody will ever admit, that I think there are a lot of people on the left, Democrats, secretly happy about this. When this is all over, folks, just like all the rest of this stuff has been over, it is Adam Schiff who's going to look stupid. It is Adam Schiff who is going to be exposed. You know, one thing about, about, about Trump, they, they ridicule the fact that he watches Fox News and that he comments on what's happening on Fox News. But Trump is a TV expert and veteran. He can spot reality TV potential. The people he has brought on to represent him are pretty good on TV. They know how to use television far better than the Democrats do. The Democrats don't want to put Hunter Biden up there. Democrats don't want Joe Biden talking about this at all. Remember, the best thing about this, one of the best things about this that's going on right now, the slow strangulation of the Biden candidacy, the ascendancy of crazy Bernie. This is this has got the Democrats so worked up, they don't know what to do about it, folks. I didn't think crazy Bernie had a chance. Now it's getting close to 50-50. He might make it, and Trump can beat him Easily. Bernie is a nasty, snarly guy. He's a nag. He's leached off government his whole life. It's a slam dunk. And they know it. They're worried. All right, now let me give you another example here of why what's happening now is a great new normal. In addition to life expectancy up for the first time in four years and all the other economic news that I cited... And yet, here's Christian Amman for lamenting. Why can't we go back to the good, whatever the new normal was, back when those people ran the show and were running the country into stagnation? Try this story. Mexico deports over 2,000 caravan migrants back to Honduras. The Mexican government announced it has so far deported more than 2,000 members of the latest migrant caravan, demonstrating the seriousness of of Mexico's newfound enforcement of illegal immigration. Let me ask you, who else 
But Donald Trump would have even tried to make Mexico act responsibly like this. There's not another American politician who would even tried this. There's not a single American politician who would have leaned on Mexico to stop anybody coming through their country on the way to the United States. Donald Trump is the only politician who said he would do it, and he's done it. The National Migration Institute and the Mexican National Guard commissioned eight chartered planes and 34 buses to remove the 2,000 members of the migrant caravan. Roughly 1,064 Hondurans were deported by ground, another 1,239 deported by aircraft. A pull quote from the story, Mexico has made it clear that its territory will not be used as transit for illegal aliens to reach the United States. Mexico has made it clear. This the day after the NAFTA replacement signed into law at the White House by President. Why isn't this part of a, a, a burgeoning new normal? Well, I mean, the question answers itself. By the way, here's Pelosi. She, she, I guess this is at a press conference, yeah, weekly press briefing just today. It's only eight seconds long, but this, this makes my point in my in-depth analysis in the previous half hour. Well, he will not be acquitted. You cannot be acquitted if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have witnesses and documentation. That's the best they've got now. He's not going to be acquitted in a trial because you don't have a trial unless you have witnesses. And documentation. What did I tell you? They're trying to dirty up the acquittal. That's all they can do here. All right, now let's get to the Bolton business because everybody's heard the uh, the discovered video interview. John Bolton, Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty. It was on their website. It's been there since last uh, August. Been there since last August. It took some people a while to dig it out. I guess Radio Free Europe and the Radio Liberty website's not visited often by people. So we've done two things with this. Uh, the first soundbite here is Bolton talking about Trump's call with Zelensky. Now, let me put this in perspective just to make sure you know. Trump has characterized the call as perfect. Everything on it was fine. There were 20 people in the call, folks. There were 20 people monitoring the call. It happened in, uh, I guess it was July or early August. The dates run together. It wasn't until a bunch of other efforts to get Trump bombed out that they went to this whistleblower Vindman tells Sharamala about the phone call. Sharamala then goes and tells Schiff about it. It characterizes shocking, terrifying, frightening. Oh, my God, can't believe what our president did. Trump releases a transcript, blows that sky high. There's nothing to see. So now the effort to mischaracterize what Trump said, he's engaging in bribery, that he's trying to further advance his own political interests by... Sabotaging plugs is 2020. All of that stuff surfaces and takes on a life of its own. Then Bolton's uh, book, vetted by the NSC, and an anonymous source leaks to the New York Times 
that John Bolton said that Trump did indeed tell him that he wanted to withhold aid to Ukraine until they did their investigation of plugs. But he didn't withhold aid. Ukraine guy, you know, you know the drill. Well, so now, given what the leak in the New York Times has Bolton saying, I mean, here's, here's Bolton, everybody believing, hating Trump, just savaging Trump, just destroying Trump. Here is Bolton characterizing the call, and there were two of them, as he heard them. I will be meeting President Zelensky. Uh, he and President Trump have already spoken twice. Uh, President called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. They were very warm and cordial calls. Uh, we're hoping that uh, they'll be able to meet in Warsaw and have a few minutes together uh, because the success of Ukraine, uh, maintaining its freedom, uh, its system of representative government, uh, a free market economy, free of corruption, uh, and dealing with the problems of the Donbass and the Crimea are uh, high priorities here, obviously, but high priorities for the United States as well. All right. So as, as far as Bolton was concerned, and nothing happened here on this phone call. Both of them, they were perfectly fine, made perfect sense. Hoping that Trump and Zelensky get together in Warsaw. Success of Ukraine, maintaining its freedom, system of representative government, free market economy, free of corruption, all high priorities. Now, that what we've done next, we've, we've put together an A-B side-by-side montage of Bolton and Trump's description of the call. You'll hear Bolton and then Trump, and Bolton and then Trump. And let's let's do this here, and let's see how they match up. He and President Trump have already spoken. That call was perfect. The president called to congratulate President Zelensky on his election and then on his success in the parliamentary election. It couldn't have been nicer. They were very warm. People said, I never knew you could be so nice. And cordial calls. When you see the readout of the call, you'll understand. That call was perfect. That was a perfect call. It kind of lined up there, folks. I mean, with the way Trump characterized the call. Of course, the transcript's been released anyway, so now you've got all kinds of people. Oh, wait a minute. Well, how? What, uh, when, then when did Bolton uh, say that Trump actually did want to withhold the aid? I mean, this bite from Bolton in the interview with Radio Free Europe and Radio Liberty doesn't jibe. And you might say, well, he's lying in one of the two. Well, okay, that doesn't mean if he's lying in one of the two, then he's lying somewhere. So here comes a witness that's uh, already before he even shows up may have a credibility problem. There's another flashback video. Let's go back to 2010. Fox Business Network. Name of the show, Freedom Watch, hosted by the human Eddie Munster. That'd be Judge Andrew Napolitano. And Judge Knapp said, do diplomats simply 
and regularly tell lies. Never forget what the great French diplomat Talleyrand once said, foreign minister of France in the Napoleonic era. He said, a diplomat is a statesman sent out to lie for his country. Winston Churchill said during World War II that in wartime, truth is so important it should be surrounded by a bodyguard of lies. You would lie in order to preserve the truth. If I had to say something I knew was false to protect American national security, I would do it. Man, this is the witness that they want. I, I, look, what he's saying here is, is right on the money. I don't want anybody misunderstanding me. And I've got no axe to grind with Bolton. As I have mentioned over the course of the past, the recent days, I've known him, I've had dinner with him a couple times, and I've always admired him. And I always thought he was on quote-unquote our sides. All of this is was kind of puzzling to me. Uh but, you know, you, you throw somebody an opportunity to make big money when they've never made big money in their life. It's a big inducement, folks. It is a huge. In fact, do you know what I saw? Just something unrelated. I said, who was it? Mark Cuban, Shark Tank, Dallas Maverick. He said that if Meghan Markle and uh, what's his name? Yeah, Prince, if they play it right, they can end up with a billion dollars. For what? If they play it right. I have no doubt that he's right about that. There's all kinds of people that will lavish these people with billions or millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to get them to do it because they're considered to be great influencers. But uh, I'm just telling you, the, the, the what about the possibility the lure of that kind of money makes these two want to say to the royal family, screw you. So my point is, if somebody comes along and offers Bolton a huge amount of money to do a book, and you've worked for government all your life, and you haven't yet parlayed that into big money in the private sector, it's a powerful influencer on its uh, on its own. Anyway, let me take a brief break. Uh, there's lots of other stuff here, folks. Along the same lines, along the uh, issue, great audio sound bites I have coming up for you. In fact, one of my observations about the very first question that was asked yesterday in the Senate, been confirmed as the most important question of the day, perhaps, and it's exactly what I told you it was. I'll share that with you, and of course... We've got to squeeze your phone calls in. And as of now, Vice President Pence, everybody's in Iowa. Trump has a rally there ahead of the Democrats' Hawkeye Caucus. Uh, the vice president was going to be with us now at 1233, running a little late. So we're now scheduled for a little bit after uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time in the next hour. And that that obviously is floating based on his ability and his time schedule. So that's... On the menu, things coming up. We'll be right back and continue after this. Welcome back. Rush Limbaugh, half my brain tied behind my back as it always is, just to ensure fairness. If lame brain leftists happen to get through and have the guts to hang on after they've been cleared, a uh, couple more sound bites and we'll head back to the, or we'll get started on the phones. Uh, remember, I, it's hard to see. It's real. In fact, ABC News is running a story. What, what are you laughing at? What? What? I know I'm a naturally funny host, but what? what what's so funny? Oh well, if a lame brain, if you clear a left 
lame brain left us to get through, and they hang on. That's why half my brain's tied behind it, just to be equal, fair. Anyway, ABC News is reporting the trial ends tomorrow. Now, they're quoting Republican sources, but they still ran with the story. Everybody knows this thing. I told you at the beginning of the week it was going to end this weekend because the Hawkeye, Hawkeye, the Democrats have to get out there and they haven't made a case. And I'll guarantee you there's a lot of Democrats who would love to get Adam Schiff out of the spotlight yesterday. Do not doubt me on this. You'll never get the satisfaction of them admitting it. And in public, they'll back him up as course they would, but privately... They're cursing this guy because they all think they had Trump dead to rights and they had a stacked deck. They had Schiff not granting Republicans any rights, any witness and the media on their side, and they still can't get rid of the guy. Jerry Nadler and Schiff, you kidding me? These are the two stars they think they had. Anyway, here is Schiff. This is two Schiff sound bites here. This is from today. Uh, held a press conference. I uh, Maybe waving the white flag would be a way to describe it. See what you think here. I don't know who the whistleblower is. Uh, uh, I haven't uh, met uh, the... uh, uh, Wait, wait. Is that that's not the transcript I have for sound by 25. Did you play 25? Play what you think is 25. Let's see if it matches up. Three, two, one. Hit it. A fair trial requires witnesses. Fair trial, an impartial oath requires witnesses. And that's what they should deliver for the American people. No trial, no vindication. No vindication for the president or anyone else. The Constitution requires a fair trial, and that's all we're asking. I'm right. They're waving the white flag. It's Pelosi out there. We just had her soundbite. Well, he won't be acquitted. You can't acquit if you don't have a trial. And you don't have a trial if you don't have a... So now we haven't had a trial. What we've just sat through here, he's not even been a trial. And Schiff is now back at, well, you can't have a trial here without witnesses, and therefore we haven't even had a trial. No impartial oath, no witnesses. Uh, that's what they have to deliver for the American people. No trial, no vindication. What did I tell you? They are trying to dirty up the acquittal. That's all they can do. And they're going to try to blame the Republicans and, of course, Mitch McConnell, the turtle for stacking the deck when the deck stack has been all Democrats all the time since it's began. Let's go back to 2005 on Crossfire. Remember that old show? Schiff was on Crossfire in 2005 talking about Bolton. Particularly given the history uh, where we've had the politicization of intelligence over WMD, why we would pick someone uh, who the very same uh, issue has been raised repeatedly, and that is John Bolton's politicization of the intelligence he got in Cuba and on other issues. Why would we would want someone with that lack of credibility? I can't understand. <laughs> exactly, Schiff. So back in 2005, admittedly it's 15 years ago, but Schiff is attacking Bolton. No credibility. He was involved in this WMD hoax. And by the way, the politicization of intelligence over WMD. Remember, remember the, people have forgotten. I actually, and I, I'll, I'll remind you of my previously expressed speculation, and that's what it is. Knowing what I know now, knowing what I've seen now, you go back. Weapons of mass destruction is a reason we had to get rid of Saddam, right? After 9-11, we had to go to Iraq. We had to get they had weapons of mass destruction. They had nerve gas. They had 
chemical warfare agents. They had, oh, it was horrible stuff. And the intelligence agencies all over the free world were in agreement. The CIA, the DIA, the NSA, MI5, MI6, all of the UK, all of the Western European democracy intelligence services, every one of them agreed weapons of mass destruction. There weren't any to speak of. Who was profoundly humiliated and embarrassed because of George W. Bush? He believed. What are the odds? They didn't like Bush winning. They didn't like Bush beating Gore. They didn't like Bush winning the Supreme Court stopping the recount in Florida. And now here's Schiff talking about the politicization of weapons of mass destruction. Now we can't trust people like Bolton. Now he wants to call him as the star witness. Hey, Ted Koppel, if Trump loses in 2020, you think he'll storm the Electoral College like Hillary inspired the Democrat voters to do, which you probably supported? I mean, I'm just asking out there. Sorry I didn't get any phone calls in the previous hour, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. We'll try in this coming hour. Okay, we got the line established. Uh, Vice President Pence could uh, show up here at any moment. And when he does, we will bring to a screeching halt whatever we're doing and welcome him to the program. He was originally scheduled for almost 30 minutes ago, 12.33 Eastern, and they're running behind. He's on a bus tour in uh, Iowa. And we want to find out what's up, what's uh, on their slate. The president, a big rally there today. And try to hog some of the limelight from the Democrats in their Hawkeye Hawkeye. So uh, they gave us a time of one ten, which is about uh, three and a half minutes from now, two and a half. So at any moment he could uh, he show up. Uh, I wanted to, as as part of the analysis that I was digging deep into the previous hour, in which I believe that the Democrats actually are signaling they want this to end, or they are signaling they know it's going to. You know, the Pelosi soundbite, you can't have a trial without witnesses. You can't have an acquittal without wit- Where was this before the trial began? And then shifts out there echoing it. But I'm telling you, they don't want witnesses. They don't want the whistleblower. They don't want Schiff being connected to this. They don't want that being demonstrated or shown. And I, I, I just... Have, have, have thought from the beginning of the week that this was going to end by tomorrow or sometime this weekend. So these Democrat candidates get out there and try to put the brakes on crazy Bernie in uh, in Iowa. So let's let's take a look at at plugs because this whole trial here, this entire impeachment is featuring a side effect that I don't think the Democrats calculated. I think I think they're really off their game. I think they have been poisoned by this rage and hatred they have, and they've got tunnel vision, and they're, they're all just 150% focused on damaging Trump, getting rid of Trump, to the point they, they're out of control on it. And they don't see the ramifications of their actions. They live in a different world where the media tells them they're wonderful and great and that they're winning every day. 
The media tells them that they are triumphing every day. Media tells them they're outsmarting everybody every day. Media is doing everything they can to create the illusion that these Democrats, Schiff and Nadler and all the rest of them, are running rings around everybody else when it's the exact opposite. So, the slow strangulation of the Plugs Biden candidacy. When a political party's most electable candidate is gaff-prone, when he is corrupt, and Biden is corrupt, and it goes way beyond just his kid and Burisma uh, in Ukraine, when a political party's most electable candidate is memory-impaired, when a political party's most electable candidate admits that he needs a younger and more healthy VP, which Plugs admitted this week. Plugs admitted that, that he's an old guy, needs a younger and more vibrant VP. And when the Democrats... Most electable candidate is somebody that the former boss, Obama, will not endorse. Well, then things can get dicey. Joe Biden has the most grueling year of his life ahead of him. He does not have the strongest donor base. Joe Biden, by the same token, cannot finance his own campaign. Nobody is afraid of Joe Biden on a debate stage. Now, nobody knows how things are going to play out, but this is not exactly the killer resume that you would want for somebody to go into battle and defeat Donald Trump. Especially when fellow Democrats running for president can hammer old Joe on his family that magically became wealthy when old Joe was vice president. We have the vice president with us. Mike Pence joins us from Iowa. Mr. VP, welcome to the EIB Network, sir. Great to have you back here. Rush Limbaugh, it is great to be with you on the campaign bus in western Iowa, looking out at the uh, the uh, snow-filled plains. We just had a great rally this morning. Going to meet up with the president tonight in Des Moines, but I got to tell you, the enthusiasm out here for the president, his agenda uh, is overwhelming. And uh, we're excited to be in this election year and excited to be here in the first in the nation state. Now, I know that the the Iowa caucuses, both parties, but you you don't have any challengers there. So what are you actually doing in Iowa, Mr. Vice President? Well, I think, you know, the president and I felt it was really important for us to be here in Iowa. Obviously, the caucuses are just a few days away. The nation's attention will turn here. But we wanted to make sure that while uh, most of the media will be focused on the Democrat field, that, uh, that people across Iowa support President Donald Trump. They support the agenda that he's delivered, a stronger national defense, delivered on the, the largest trade deal in American history, signed into law. I mean, Governor Kim Reynolds is here, a popular conservative governor. She's traveling with me and with the president today. And uh, the pe- people of Iowa support President Donald Trump. And while, while the attention will be on the Democrat caucus, we want to make sure people know we're going to be campaigning. And we know the people of Iowa are going to say yes to four more years 
of President Donald Trump come November 2020. I had a call earlier this week, and a lot of people are paying attention. Well, actually, a lot of people aren't, but but some of the people who are paying attention to the trial called me and uh, were were asking me how I think the president was dealing with it. And I said, well, where is the president today? I said, where was Richard Nixon during Watergate? And they said, well, he's in the White House. I said, where's President Trump? And uh, in the White No, no, he's not in the White House. He's out doing his job. Exactly. The, 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 the trade deal you're talking about, the Middle East peace deal, this is something that you know, the media hasn't given a lot of coverage. You've been doing some amazing things, not just this week, but the week prior and the days and months prior. Uh, Rush, you know this president. Uh, I, I can tell your millions of listeners, he never stops. He gets up every day and fights to keep the promises he made to the American people. Look, this, this uh, impeachment trial starts in the Senate. The president went over to Europe, spoke at Davos, and, and gave a speech about the booming American economy and, and our agenda of less taxes, less regulation, uh, more American energy, and free and fair trade. And as you said, I mean, look at the history-making announcement this week when the president outlined a bold vision for peace in the Middle East, and then yesterday on, on the south lawn of the White House, again, I, yeah, I say it again, it was the largest trade deal in American history. It's going to create hundreds of thousands of jobs in the early going, and it also, it, it also is going to make it possible as we, as we continue negotiations with China. We just started, you know, we did a phase one deal with China earlier this month. As we negotiate with China, as we negotiate with the U.K., after they get out of Brexit tomorrow, deal with the EU. What the president has shown is, is we're, he's willing to deal with, in, in trading relations with countries around the world, but it's got to be free and fair. It's got to be reciprocal. And the USMCA, I think, stands as a shining testament uh, to this president's determination to fight for American jobs and American farmers. You know, there were there are two stories just today, Mr. Vice President. Uh, one of them, Mexico has deported over 2,000 caravan migrants back to Honduras. There's not an American politician in my lifetime who could have forced Mexico to ever do something like this. They tried to put another caravan together, come here and flood the country illegally. Mexico yeah. refused to let them. And then there's a story, life expectancy is on the rise in America for the first time in four years. Now, what are the what, what's the common denominator in these stories? Donald Trump. Well, that's right. I mean, look, look the, the American economy is booming. Businesses large and small created 7 million jobs. But i got to tell you, what's most exciting to me and the president, I just was talking about this at, at an event in, uh, in Sioux City, Iowa, that wages are rising across the board. Most rapidly than in a decade, and they're rising. They're rising the fastest for blue-collar, hard-working Americans. I mean, people have more money in their pockets. The average family five thousand dollars in disposable income. People are seeing. But you talk about Mexico. You know, remember where we were a year ago, Rush, where we were in the middle of a government shutdown. Yeah, and we were being told as tens of thousands of uh, of illegal immigrants were surging across our border. Every month, the Democrats were saying it was a manufactured crisis. And, and this president, it was a year ago, this president declared an emergency on our southern border, began to build the wall, and then made it clear. I was in those negotiations. He said to Mexico, look, we're going to start tariffing goods coming in from Mexico unless you 
take action to secure your southern border and secure ours. And as I sit here today, I just told people here in Iowa, apprehensions on our southern border in the last six months are down 70%, and we've all, we just marked the first 100 miles of that new border wall. This president is delivering, he's delivering real results on our economy, on border security, uh, on national security, and the American people know it. And in the enthusiasm I saw at an, at an early morning rally in Sioux City gives evidence of the fact we're, we're going to win Iowa. We're going to win four more years for President Donald Trump. I, I, think there's a, I think there's a new normal being established here that is just absolutely fabulous. And it's happened rapidly. There's, you know, one of the things that, that you uh, in the administration have done, if I may uh, opine here, is that many people have grown accustomed to the Washington Excuse. Things happen slow, Rush. You can't expect big changes overnight. It's a big ship. It takes a long time to make these turns, turn them around, go the other direction. Well, you guys have nuked that. You you guys have demonstrated if you really want to change things, and for the better, you can do it. And he's done it without a whole lot of support from the other party. He's done it despite this effort to throw him out of office. It's incredible when you stop and think about it. And I don't mean to be sucking up here at all. I'm telling you what I really think about this. It's phenomenal what yeah. has been accomplished here. And it. why can't this become the new normal? Why can't this become what the United States did? Make America great again, put America first. This is exactly what President Trump was elected to do. Well, I think what, what you're talking about is is leadership. Is that here was a president that said, look, we, we've got we got an economy that uh, that had had grown by less than two percent for the last eight years, slowest economic uh, uh, recovery since the Great Depression. He said we could do better. We took decisive action, worked with partners in Congress, turned the economy around. He said we've got to have a strong military again, largest increase in our national defense since the days of Ronald Reagan. The action that he's taken with regard to border security and Mexico. I mean, one step after another. Uh, this president has fulfilled what I think is, in so many ways, what what the founders created in the executive branch. Um, but one of the terms I remember, I think it might have been Alexander Hamilton, who talked about having, they wanted to create what they called an energetic executive, the ability of the president to deal with a national challenges and opportunities from, from national security to prosperity. And what the American people have had in the last three years, despite unprecedented opposition, obstruction, resistance, and this partisan impeachment effort. Uh, what, what the American people witness is a leader who have been willing to step forward, confront problems, take action. And the results really speak for themselves. An economy that's booming, an America that's more secure, more respected around the world than any time in my lifetime. Vice President Mike Pence is with us. Before I let you go, you brought up impeachment. Can I ask you, you're, you're in Iowa today. Sure. You're on a bus tour. Yeah. Is anybody asking you about it? How many people are Nobody. asking you about it? I mean, detailed questions about, uh, do you think they're going to need witnesses? Is the president going to be acquitted? Is anybody asking you about this? I'm talking about the public that no, you in, encounter. Rush, they're not. And, you know, as I travel around, what the president and I tend to do is he'll do a a big rally at the end of the day and invite me to be a part of it. And then I get on this bus that I'm on right now and we travel around the state beforehand, you know, and, and, uh, and I get to stop at diners. I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago 
and uh, I stopped at a couple of different diners, and in the course of the entire day, I had one person bring up this partisan impeachment. One person. And, and, I, and all they said to me was, just tell the president, just get this thing done with. We've just got to move on. I mean, the American people know what's going on here. They can read the transcript. They can see the president did nothing wrong. There was no quid pro quo. Ukraine not only got the aid in September, but frankly, they know that this administration, different from the last administration, actually gave Ukraine javelin missiles, the ability to defend themselves against Russian insurgents and Russian tanks. All the facts are known here. And I, I just, the only time it ever comes up is when people are saying, get on with it, get this over with. Uh, and uh, I just, I think what the American people want is for the pre- for this, you know, they got their questions, I guess, again today. But Senate, the Senate should finish their work. They should acquit the president. And then let's get back to work on a, on a stronger, more secure more prosperous America. Well, the, the new Democrat theme today, you, you may not be aware of it unless you've been briefed, but the new Democrat theme is you can't have an acquittal without witnesses. You can't have a trial without witnesses. That's Pelosi and Schiff. So I think they're waving yeah, the Russ, white flag Russ, on it. Yeah, yeah, Russ, they had 17 witnesses. Yeah, I know. I know. They had 17 witnesses in the House of Representatives. I mean, look, they, they have no case. And despite the fact they rushed this through, no due process for the president of the United States. Exactly. Couldn't have lawyers present. Couldn't call witnesses. They jammed this thing through before Christmas. They said it was an overwhelming case. And after sitting on it for a month, all the American people have heard from the Democrats is how they need more witnesses. They need more evidence. You know, look, look I, I, the Senate's got a process underway. They'll finish that process today with questions. But I, I think everybody I talk to around the country, including people that I saw here in Iowa this morning, they want the Senate to finish their work, finish their questions. Let's acquit the president and let's get back to work on making this economy even more prosperous, making our country even more secure. And that's what the president, I promise you, he has worked on that every single day since we came off that platform on Inauguration Day. Uh, he's been delivering for the American people, but it's time that Congress got back to work on the issues that matter most to the American people. Thank you, Mr. Vice President, for your time. It's always great. Anytime you want to come on, you're welcome. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rush. Great to be with you from Iowa, and it's going to be a big night with the president in Des Moines. Mike Thanks, Pence, Rush. Vice President of the United States. Thank you, sir. We'll be back, folks, and move on. You know, watching this stupid uh, trial, it is obvious that Democrat senators have coordinated Democrat questions for the House managers. They got together, they've written the questions and answers in advance. Do you believe there is any limit to type or scope of quid pro quo in regards to a foreign entity? This is a question that Schiff is answering. They're all, they're having a cow over what Dershowitz said yesterday. Dershowitz said... You can't separate a politician trying to do things to help himself from doing things to assist the country. You can't you can't you can't say that a president can't engage in anything that might benefit him because it's a violation of the constitution or is a high crime or misdemeanor it's an impeachable offense. Nothing would ever get done. Unless a president actively engaged in policies that were harmful to him. 
That was essentially Dershowitz's point, and they are mangling that, and they are distorting it uh, to the, because they it's one of these hard doses of reality and common sense about how human beings work. Everybody engages in self-interest. The idea that, in the case of Donald Trump, self-interest is harmful to the country? Where does that come from? Here is a guy who's done nothing but improve, by any measure, life in this country. And yet, they're out trying to make the case that Donald Trump is trying to arrange things so he's improving his own political life, personal life, political prospects. And if the country were going to hell in a handbasket and Trump were triumphing, the country were going to, if he were selling the country out, well, then that, that would be one thing, but it's, it's the exact opposite of what was happening. It's such a rebirth. It's such a change in direction. It's such... As the cliche goes, a breath of fresh air. But these guys in the Democratic Party are actually asking, acting like a president must actually engage in things that are harmful to him in order to be innocent of the charge of abusing his office. It's just, it's patently absurd, and it's a great example of how baseless their whole case is. All right, it's time to get started on the phones. Again, I appreciate all of you who have been on hold your patience I really do appreciate it. I don't take it for granted. And we start here in Milwaukee. This is Jerry. Great to have you, sir. Hi. Hey, uh, Rush. Donald Trump has tried to ban and stop every witness testifying in the House. He's now trying to stop John Bolton. And the Republicans are trying to try and stop John Bolton. This has been a great cover-up. If John Bolton has nothing incriminating on Donald Trump, which Republicans says seems to be the spin right now. Then why are they trying to block John Bolton? If John Bolton has nothing to say that shows an extortion by Donald Trump, then why are they trying to block Bolton? Because they're afraid. They're scared, Rush. They're scared of what John Bolton has to say about Trump's extortion of the Ukraine president. Uh, nice try, but dead wrong. In fact, Adam Schiff just tried to make the same point, and there was just a question submitted to the Chief Justice for the president's legal team. They want the president, the the Democrats want the president to waive his rights and have every witness they want come up there. Is President Trump the first witness to not waive his rights in a trial like this? And of course he's not. Every other president or every other target engages in this. This is a bogus argument. If you've got nothing to hide, why? The same thing can be said of Schiff. If you've got nothing to hide, why don't you release the whistleblower testimony and why don't you let the whistleblower testify? This is, this is Donald Trump knowing full well he didn't do anything wrong. The trial is a setup and he is not going to hand his political opponents away to wipe him out. And he's not going to sacrifice duly constituted rights to enable him to do so. He's under no compunction to let anybody testify. They have to prove their case, Jerry, and they haven't done it. And they think Trump can't defend his case. That's why they want witnesses. They want witnesses because they don't have a case, Jerry. They don't have a single impeachable offense. They don't have bribery. They don't have extortion. If they did, that would have been in the two articles of impeachment. 
fact, let me find the sound bites where this all came up because Schiff was taken to the woodshed by the by the president's legal team. Hang on here. Just, just yeah, grab sound bites ten and eleven. Schiff tried this trick yesterday. He started claiming that Trump has been guilty of extortion and bribery. Well, those two charges are not in the articles of impeachment. You can't bring those up. You can't start litigating that when you didn't put it in the original indictment. Here's how it went. We'll have the president's lawyer responding right after it. We think there's a crime here of bribery or extortion, conditioning of official acts for personal favors. That is bribery. It's also what the founders understood as extortion. Right. So this caused Mr. Philbin, Patrick Philbin, not stand for it. One of the president's lawyers went to the well of the Senate, said this. The articles of impeachment specify a theory of the charge here that is abuse of power. They do not allege the elements of bribery or extortion. They don't mention bribery or extortion. If the House managers had wanted to bring those charges, they had to put them in the articles of impeachment. Just the way a prosecutor, if he wants to put someone on trial for bribery, he's got to put it in the indictment. If you don't and you come to trial and then try to start arguing that, well, actually, we think there is bribery going on here, that's impermissible. It's prosecutorial misconduct. And it's inadmissible. And it is a total show of desperation. Schiff knows he's a lawyer. He knows he couldn't get away with this. He doesn't care. This is like one of those things where a lawyer asks a question and the judge says, you can't do that. I instruct the jury, ignore that. Disregard what you just heard about that horrible question. They'll never forget it. Lawyers ask questions they know are going to be stricken from the record because that's how they get them on the record. And that's what Schiff was doing. They were at their wit's end. They don't have a case. They don't have a shred of evidence. So here comes little Schiff whining and moaning about bribery and extortion. They don't have a case, Jer. It's a nice tribe, but you're sounding just like Schiff. Baseless, without any substance. In fact, Judge Napolitano, who used to be 180 degrees different than he used to like Trump. Now he's a never-Trumper. Nobody knows what happened. Some some people have told me that Judge Knapp thought that he might be on Trump's list of potential Supreme Court nominees. And when he found out that he wasn't, he got mad. That, I can't believe that. Have you heard that, Snurdly? Yeah, I've heard that, too. That just sounds... Well, anyway. Uh, they went to Judge Knapp today on Fox and Friends. Ainsley Earhart... Adam Schiff said it's extortion, it's bribery. The president's legal team says it's not fair. You never put that in the articles. You know this. You're a lawyer. This would not happen in front of a jury in a criminal case. It absolutely would be a mistrial if it were stated in front of a jury in a criminal case. Yeah, but this isn't a criminal case and it's not a jury. It's an impeachment trial. And so there are different rules here. But still, the the principle holds. What it really what it really means is that Schiff knows he's got nothing. He knows they've got nothing. Pelosi knows. Now they're out there belly aching and whining. And well, you can't have an acquittal without a trial. And you can't have a trial without witnesses. And you can't have a trial without documents. Documents. There are documents out the wazoo in this case. Here's, uh, here's uh, I guess, Eileen in Ventnor, New Jersey. Welcome to the EIB Network. Hello. 
Hi, Rush Dittos from South Jersey, Trump country. Right on. Great to have you here. <laughs> hey, last night, Brett Baer concluded his interview with Joe Manchin. He brought up how uh, Adam Schiff asserted he did not know the whistleblower, had no contact with him. And I quote um, Joe Manchin, uh, if they lie to me once, then shame on them. I'll never believe them again. He was referring to uh, Adam Schiff and his fellow Democrats. Yeah, I'm looking for the sound, but I know we've got, we've got, uh, well, I thought I had. Um, I, I know, I know that, sh- that, that, that Manchin called Schiff. Schiff is lying through his teeth about not knowing the whistleblower. So that yes. was the mansion. Mansion is pointing out that Schiff is lying. Is that is that what you heard last night with on Brett Baer? Is that your point? Yes. And do you think there's any chance that he could follow Jeff Andrews' lead and flip if he finds out that Adam Schiff is lying? Uh, uh, and what and change parties? Yeah. Joe Manchin change parties. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Well, it would, but I don't know if it's even necessary. He's voting. He's, uh, he's voting with Republicans. I mean, yeah, it'd be great if it, if it happened, but I, I think Manchin's going to voting for acquittal. And I think Manchin is going to be one of these people voting against witnesses. I mean, for why call out Schiff as a liar? And it's the Democrat leader of the case. It's a, it's he's the lead manager to call him out on that. Yeah, uh, like that is. Look, they all they 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 they, they all. Um, they all know who Schiff is. It's in the Democrats who Schiff is is a is a plus. I've I've really you know these kind of things interest me. I, I look at Pelosi trying to pick her people here, and she picks Schiff and she picks the round mound of the gavel, Nadler. And I ask people who are in a better position to know what in the world does she see in this guy Schiff? The guy is a pathological liar. I mean, to the point of not being mentally stable, he is animated by a deeply personal hatred for Trump and, I think, a lot of conservatives. And the answer I got back was she just, the moment she met this guy, when he first came to Congress, for 2004 or whatever, She'd just been enamored of this guy. He's in California, he took the seat away from a Republican, uh, and she's just been enamored of the guy, and she trusts him. She trusts him. As far as she's concerned, he is, cats me, I'm loyal and all that. And I, I think all of this is, is ultimately going to come back and bite all these people really, really badly now. I don't think it would have gone any better if they'd have put anybody else in his place. I mean, he actually, you know, he's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, so he's a ranking Democrat on that committee. But I don't know who else they could have put in there, but the problem they've always had is they don't have a case. And folks, this I'm not just uttering syllables here. They really don't have, and this is not partisan support of or defense of Trump, they don't have any evidence for anything they've alleged. There wasn't collusion with Russia by Trump. They did. The Democrats colluded day in and day out with Russia. But Trump did not. Trump's election was legitimate. It was not fraudulent. It was not the result of cheating. 
It's the Democrats who rig elections against crazy Bernie, and they're trying to do it again now and denying him the nomination. But there's the transcript of the phone call. There is literally at the moment that phone call happened, there's not a person that said anything about it. It's only when some other effort bombed out that they went to this phone call because they had impeachment was something they've been planning on for two weeks after Trump was inaugurated. They've been waiting for the timeline and for the issue. And as I have been warning you all week, this is going to end. Trump is going to be acquitted. It has always been the case. He was never not going to be acquitted. What they're trying to do now is to poison or dirty up the acquittal. But when this is over, there's going to be something else, folks, because there always is with these people, meaning the Democrats and the media. There is something else. They've already got it in the hopper. They're waiting to spring it. Whatever it is may require Trump to say something or do something or somebody in the administration to say something or do something, but they're waiting to drop it. We've got 10 months before the election. You think this is it? You think this? And here's the thing that's going to amaze me. This is going to bomb out. Trump is going to be acquitted. The media is going to treat it as a fake acquittal. They'll go along with the Democrats' theory that it's a dirty acquittal. But it'll become something that's in the past. Whenever the next so-called scandalous event hits... Whether it's another whistleblower on a private conversation on Air Force, whatever it is, you watch. The media is going to treat it like it is occurring in a vacuum, meaning they're going to treat it as though it's earth shattering, it's real. Oh, my God, can you believe this? As though none of this stuff in the past has happened, although it'll be added to the mix. They are not going to understand They're not going to have the slightest bit of understanding that most Americans are worn out on this. They're worn out on the tactic. They're worn out on the specifics. Look at how many of these phony scandals the American people had to sit through. Trump-Russia collusion, nothing. Kavanaugh, nothing. Cohen, nothing. Stormy Daniels, Avenatt, nothing. Whatever they throw. Omarosa, nothing. There's so many of them I've forgotten, but they've all added up to nothing. And yet there's going to be another one. And the media is going to treat it like it is a biggest bombshell that we've ever had. Totally ignorant of the fact that most people are going to yawn at it like they're yawning at this impeachment. It's going to be, we're we're now into the fourth year of the Democrats whining and moaning and complaining that Trump's this, that, the other thing. And we're into the fourth year of there not being a shred of evidence to back up any allegation they make. And whatever the next shoe drops, I'll guarantee the never Trump Republicans are going to be right in there joining the media and the Democrats doing everything they can. You talk about a bunch of people that have been emaciated, have been uh, de-balled. Can't think of the sophisticated word for that. Man, oh man, but that then they're just everybody's beside us. Look, I gotta go. I gotta go. I see the clock. I see it. I see it. We'll be back. Hang on. All right. Grab uh, Soundbite 28. I just got the... This is a transcript. Soundbite of uh, 
One of the president's lawyers, Jay Sekulow, answering a question from Senator Pat Toomey and others. Question for the president's counsel. Given that the election of president, one of the most significant political acts in which we as citizens engage, how much weight should the Senate give to the fact that removing the president from office and disqualifying him from ever holding future federal office would undo that Democratic decision made by voters and kick the president off the ballot in this year's election. We're discussing the possible impeachment and removal of the president of the United States, not only during election season, in the heart of the election season. And I think that this does a disservice to the American people. It was so urgent to move this forward that they had to do it by mid-December before Christmas because national security was at stake. And then they waited 33 days to bring it here. Their entire process was corrupt from the beginning, and they're just putting it on this body. But to do it while the American people are selecting candidates for nomination to be the head of their party, to run as president of the United States. Some of you in this very room, we think that this points to the exact problem what's taking place here. You realize what he just said? He just said that he's Democrat senators. You people, bunch of idiots. The Democrats in your own party are delaying your effort to win the Democrat Party nomination. They've screwed up the nomination process for you in your own party by waiting 33 days to bring these articles of impeachment over. Oh, man, what a setup question that was. How bad do you think it is that they're doing this during an election year and they might deny a man who was elected a chance to ever be reelected? To... So there's obviously coordination going on on um, on both sides. By the way, Rand Paul tried again today to get the whistleblower name. Somebody 27. Here is how it went. Mr. Chief Justice. Senator from Kentucky. I have a question to present to the desk for the House Manager Schiff and for the President's Counsel. The presiding officer declines to read the question as submitted. Rand Paul, second day in a row, trying to get the name of the whistleblower on the record. And the chief justice of the United States. If that's actually the chief justice of the United States, you can add Supreme Court if you want to it, has said no. We're not going to mention the whistleblower's name here. Uh, So Rand Paul's at least trying to get that done. By the way, Rand Paul has just tweeted that he is not trying to get the name of the whistleblower mentioned. He says, my question today is about whether or not people who were holdovers from the Obama National Security Council and Democrat partisans conspired with shift staffers to plot impeaching the president before there were formal House impeachment proceedings. And he's actually talking about somebody named Sean Misko here, as well as uh, Shara Mella. So the chief justice is joining the Democrats and the media in suppressing that fact in this whole process. How about this question? Senator Wyden, Senator Sherrod Brown, they asked the House managers, if Trump remains in office, what signal does that send to countries that want to interfere in our future elections? Now, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat House manager, answering this question, but what a question. If Trump remains in office, what signal does it send to countries that want to interfere in our future elections? Uh, Trump has not been found guilty of interfering in the election. 
Trump has not been found guilty of colluding with any country that attempted to interfere in the election. So what the hell is that question? Do you think countries that want to interfere in our election are going to do it no matter who is in the White House? I'm telling you, they are scraping the bottom of the barrel. And what they're doing now is simply giving the media talking points. There is none of this that's going to change the vote on witnesses. There's none of this that's going to change the voting on acquittal. Greetings and welcome back. Great to have you. 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. Rand Paul is getting a little fed up. The Chief Justice, John Roberts, is censoring his questions. He's in the Senate. This is question and answer time. This is where senators get to ask the lawyers and the House managers questions. Rand Paul has had his questions censored each of the past two days. So he's released it. Rand Paul tweeted, My question today is about whether or not individuals who were holdovers from the Obama National Security Council and Democrat partisans conspired with Adam Schiff staffers to plot impeaching the president before there were formal House impeachment proceedings. He wants to ask that question. I don't know to whom he wanted it asked. He might have been asking it to Schiff. House managers, he might have been asking it to the Republicans. Well, the, the president's lawyers. But the point is, the question doesn't mention the whistleblower. And the question does not mention the whistleblower's name. And yet the chief justice is censoring it. And the chief justice is saying, we're not going to have the whistleblower's name mentioned while I preside over this trial. Well, there's a name here besides the whistleblower that's involved in this. And the whistleblower is Eric Sharmala, or Sharmella. But there's a friend of his, a guy named Misko, Sean Misko. Sean Misko and the whistleblower were both Obamaites on the National Security Council staff, and they did not leave when Trump was inaugurated. They stayed, and they are the source of everything going on here. Sharmala, the whistleblower, he was not on the phone call. He was told about it, we think, from Vindman. But his his buddy, Sean Misko, was hired by Schiff before the proceedings began. And we know that the whistleblower met with Schiff and members of Schiff's staff before he went to the inspector general. Now, whistleblowers are supposed to blow the whistle to the inspector general of whatever department that they are blowing the whistle on. But... Charmella did not go to the IG. He went to Schiff. And then it was Schiff and his staff that prepared the whistleblower complaint and then took it to the IG. And if you remember, the inspector general made a ruling and changed a rule on the fly that would permit secondhand knowledge to be admissible from whistleblowers. Prior to this, a whistleblower had to have first-hand knowledge of what he was blowing a whistle on. Sharmella did not. He was not on the phone call. And remember Sharmella's first characterization of the phone call. It was shocking. It was terrifying. I was scared to death at what it meant for my country. Oh, my God, I couldn't contain myself. I had to report it. 
Then Trump releases the transcript of the call, and there's nothing shocking or terrifying or anything close to that. And that's when this all began to blow up on Schiff. And that's why the whistleblower has not been heard from. It's why he's not been named. It's why Schiff doesn't want him called as a witness. Because the conspiracy of the whistleblower and Sean Misko working with Schiff and his staff to make all this happen would be revealed. And they don't want it to be revealed. And that's ultimately why there aren't going to be any witnesses. Mark my words. But the story here is the chief justice censoring all of this. The chief justice not allowing this question. Let me read to you Rand Paul's question again. My question is about whether or not individuals who were holdovers from the Obama National Security Council and Democrat partisans conspired with Adam Schiff staffers to plot impeaching the president before there were formal House impeachment proceedings. And then Rand Paul tweeted out the question that Robert censored. My exact question was, are you aware that House Intelligence Committee staffer Sean Misko had a close relationship with Eric Sharamella while at the National Security Council together? And are you aware and how do you respond to reports that Sharamella and Misko may have worked together? to plot impeaching the president before there were formal House impeachment proceedings. My question is not, this is, this is Rand Paul a tweet, my question is not about a whistleblower, as I have no independent information on his identity. My question is about the actions of known Obama partisans within the NSC and House staff and how they are reported to have conspired before impeachment proceedings had even begun. Now this, folks, (laughs) look, all this is true. Rand Paul's asking a question to which everybody in the Senate chamber knows the answer. Do not doubt me. The Chief Justice knows the answer. Everybody knows the answer. I just told you, Sean Misko and Sharmala are Obama holdovers and they worked together, conspired prior to formal impeachment hearings to set this all up. Everybody in that room knows it, folks. That's that's another reason that all this is so damn bogus. Everybody knows what happened here. And it's one of the reasons I have been hell-bent in suggesting to Republicans, shut this down. It is corrupt. It is, it's bogus on its face. This is not legitimate. There is no rational explanation for this impeachment in terms of the president's actions. And I'll tell you what, by the way, you know, we had this call this uh, earlier from a guy, if the president's not a friend, why do you let Bolton testify? Why doesn't the president waive his rights? So that we, He has. Do you realize what releasing the transcript of the phone call was? The president is the one who has gone out of the way to help people find and learn the truth here. That's why this thing has to be shut. It's, folks, literally, it's bogus. The premise, the evidence, there is and was no collusion. There was no 
withholding of aid. There was no quid pro quo. But I, and I know the Republicans are saying, that's not the right stance, Rush. We need to admit there was a quid pro quo and to say it's fine that everybody does it. And Dershowitz tried that and you see what they're doing with it. That's essentially what Dershowitz put out there. Now, before we get to the break, I, I, I want to go back to yesterday. Because when I heard this first question, no, I'm not glossing over the chief. How much more can I tell you? The chief justice, and we had calls about this. People, Rush, I'm really worried about the chief justice. I know he's a never-Trumper. And I try to tell people, don't sweat it, that the chief justice does not run this hearing like a trial judge runs a courtroom. And for the most part, that's true. But this is, this is really suspect because everybody in the room knows the answer to Rand Paul's question. This is akin to it raining and there's a leak in the Senate and water is pouring in and somebody stands up, Mr. Chief Justice, is it raining in the Senate chamber? I'm not permitting that question. That question goes to a problem in the Senate roof, and I'm not going to acknowledge it exists. So it's raining in there, and everybody knows it, but the Chief Justice is not allowing it to be stated. It's essentially what's happening here. Everybody in that room knows the answer to that question. So kudos to Rand Paul. Yesterday, the first question. When I heard the first question that was asked by Susan Collins on behalf of herself Ed Murkowski and Romney. I just want to remind you what I said about it. Now, that is perfectly clear to me that you can't take politics out of this and that everybody in politics calculates how whatever their political actions are, how that's going to impact their reelection or their campaign or their polling data or their fundraising or whatever the hell's. Their job approval numbers. You can't separate the two. The House managers would like you to believe that there is some unique area where everything is perfect and nobody does anything for any personal gain whatsoever. And Trump violated it. Everything Trump does is for personal gain. And that's putting himself ahead of the office. And so these guys have nuked that. I mean, after I hear this answer, I said, that's the case. I mean, it should end the case. Shut it down. Exactly. And the question basically was... Can the president engage in foreign policy or executing the policies of the United States with multiple objectives? Can he be doing good for the country and helping himself? I mean, every politician plans on being reelected. Every politician lets their voters know what bills they supported and opposed. Every politician runs ads to let their voters know why they should reelect them. The House managers wanted to make it look like for the president to be pure, he must oppose what he wants for the country. It must, no, it must hurt the president. The only way we can judge him to be decent and fair is if he does things that actually harm himself. That's what they're actually advocates, perverse. And the answer to that question, yes, the president can have multiple motives while implementing American foreign policy. And some of the multiple motives can include helping himself. That there's nothing criminal about it. There's nothing impeachable about it. And I thought that the answer to the question, 
ends the case. It takes away everything the Democrats are trying to make their case out of. So last night, on the Ingram Angle on the Fox News Channel, she had the former Whitewater Independent Counsel Robert Ray on. Question, did you get the sense that this very methodical, mostly unemotional but comprehensive performance by Patrick Philbin swayed any of the wobblers one way or another? The most important question that was asked and who asked it was significant. It was Senator Sue Collins, it was uh, Senator Murkowski, and it was Senator Romney together. And the question was, what are we supposed to do with a case involving mixed motive? The president's motive to have burden sharing among Europeans in connection with aid to Ukraine, anti-corruption efforts, and then what this impeachment is about. The answer back, I think, was significant in a case of mixed motives where all three of those things are there. You would never be able to show by clear and unmistakable evidence, no matter how many witnesses you had, that that was ever going to be sufficient to prove corrupt intent. And I I just wanted to share that with you because my instincts on this were just right on the money. That question and answer, I think intellectually and legally effectively puts the kibosh on this. Now, it, di- it didn't politically, of course, because the question and answer session lasts for 16 hours. We're into the second eight-hour phase of it today. But the, the point that a president can be mixing motives, have multiple objectives in doing his job, is just slam-dunk common sense, and it sure the hell is not impeachable. Be right back. Here's Adam in Knoxville, Tennessee. Great to have you, Adam. Glad you waited. Hello. Hey, Rush. Uh, it's an honor to, to speak with you. Thank you, sir. Um, I've got a um, thing about uh, with New Jersey being possibly in play. Um, what my thought is, do you think what Governor Northam and the Democrats in Virginia are doing could possibly be gift-wrapping Virginia for Trump in November? Well, that's that's... I understand why you're thinking. I mean, they're going out of the way on guns, uh, the move on, on abortion. The problem with with Virginia's northern Virginia suburbs is all Washington, D.C. residents. Exactly, yeah. But, like, the turnout for the legislative elections was, like, from 22 to 58 percent. And I'm wondering if maybe they've woken a sleeping giant possibly and the turnout will be much better come November because people are so mad. In Virginia, you're you're thinking yeah. maybe, uh, right, yeah, the 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 election turnout in Virginia for the legislative stuff uh, was was you know anywhere from low to high, you know. So I'm wondering if those ones that where it was low, like in the twenty percent, if that's going to go way up because of what they're this overreach that they're you know trying to to do with all the gun control. Okay, what what do you think is going to go up twenty percent turnout? Yeah, I'm thinking a turnout's going to go turnout like we're in the areas well, where it's like 22%. I, look, I have no feel for that. Um, I hope you're right. We'll see. Grab uh, soundbite number 9. I want to I want to demonstrate for you the pathological nature of Adam Schiff, the lead house manager. Uh My friends, the people following all of this know full well that the route to impeachment involved Sean Misko and Eric Sharamella. Eric Sharamella, the whistleblower, informed by 
We're pretty sure Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, oh, Jose, can you see, about this shocking, shocking, unbelievable phone call that President Trump had with Zelensky. 20 people on the call. Phone call happens in the summer. They don't get around to whistleblowing on it till October. Well, actually, not August, the process began. The way the process happened was that Misco is hired by Schiff and put on a staff. Then Sharamella, after being informed of the phone call, this time nobody thinks that Trump is going to release the transcript so they can say whatever they want about it. And they know that many of the people on the phone call are allies of them and not Trump. So they think they've got a clear road to lie about what happened on this phone call. Because they don't think Trump will ever release the transcript. That presidents just don't give up that kind of private communication. They do it to protect themselves. They do it to protect the presidency, separation of powers. They just don't do it. So they were very confident that Trump could be mischaracterized and lied about it and nobody could do anything about it because the transcript would never be released. So Sharamella is supposed to go to the inspector general and whistleblow. He didn't. He went to Adam Schiff's staff where Sean Misko already was. They're both National Security Council staffers, holdovers from Obama. The Schiff staff then helped Sharmella write the complaint. Everybody looked at that complaint and said, this is the product of some really damn good lawyers writing this thing up. The characterization of the phone call and the frightening, terrifying, scary things. And then after that happened, then Sharmella took that to the IG. And at that point, the inspector general made a ruling on the fly that would, for the first time ever, permit secondhand knowledge by a whistleblower to count. Prior to that, whistleblowers had to have firsthand knowledge of whatever they were blowing the whistle on. And everybody knows this now. It's been reported widely all over. The drive-bys have not reported it, but they know it. They're proud of it. This is the kind of chicanery. This is the kind of abuse of the system in order to get Trump that they protect and privately applaud. They think Schiff is brilliant. The point is Schiff and his staff were in on this and they directed it and they steered it. Well, here is Schiff on the Senate floor during the trial answering questions last night about this. I don't know who the whistleblower is. I haven't met them. Uh, or communicated with them in any way. The committee staff did not write the complaint or coach the whistleblower what to put in the complaint. The committee staff did not see the complaint before it was submitted to the inspector general. The conspiracy theory, which I think was outlined uh, earlier, that the whistleblower colluded with the intel committee staff to hatch an impeachment inquiry is a complete and total fiction. That right there is why there aren't going to be witnesses, because if that is ever exposed for what it is, a pathological lie, then it it, it has so many problems for Schiff and for Pelosi and his staff that they they don't want to deal with that. So all this huffing and puffing about witnesses is simply posturing. It's for sound bites on the news. 
It's to send signals to the drive-bys to what to hit, what to hammer. Trump's afraid. Trump doesn't want witnesses. It's these guys that don't win any witnesses. And if you doubt this, let me take you back to a couple of instances during the televised hearings. This is after Schiff has conducted his private hearings where Republicans were not allowed to call witnesses in that basement room in the Capitol. Took depositions from all these ambassadors and the assistants and all this. And they took the best comments from all of them, and that's what they characterized or planned and wrote as the testimony of the questions. During the televised public hearings, the name Shara Mello was mentioned. Remember? And Schiff interjected, I don't, we're not going to allow that name to be mentioned. Wait a minute, people said. If you don't know who the whistleblower is, why does that name bother you? Remember this? Twice this happened. The name Shara Mello was mentioned by somebody, either a Republican asking a question or some witness. And it was Louie. That's right. Louie Gohmert and Schiff jumps in and says, we're not going to permit the name. And everybody said, how do you, if you don't know the whistleblower, if you don't know who it is and you never met him, then why does that name cause you to jump out of your chair? That's right. It was Louie that exposed this whole thing. That statement, folks, that is If you've wondered what a pathological liar is, that's it. And just as everybody in that Senate chamber knows the answer to Rand Paul's question that the Chief Justice is suppressing, everybody knows what Schiff did with the whistleblower and with Sean Misko. The, the difference is on the Democrat side, that's the kind of stuff they applaud. That's the kind of stuff that Pelosi would admire. That kind of strategic warfare with the enemy kind of operation and thinking. And I'm telling you, none of that can happen without the knowledge Schiff and Pelosi, that the media is going to cover it up for them. The Democrats are getting away with more and more scandals because they're being covered up and ignored while phony scandals are being attached to Trump, made up like the Kavanaugh thing was about him. Trump-Russia collusion, Trump traitor, all of that. it, it, it's it's incredible how we have a media that is fully now part of the Democrat Party left-wing activist agenda, and maybe even the leadership of it. Back to the phones we go. Tim in St. Joseph, Michigan. You're next. Hello, sir. Hey, Rush. Good afternoon from the great state of Michigan, where yeah. our president's going to be in Detroit today at the Dana Corporation and talking about the impact of the new trade agreement. Um, I've been wondering if I'm Bernie Sanders, uh, and I'm sitting there looking at the fact that this is probably my last campaign for president, that I got hornswoggled out of the nomination the last time, and there's a chance that three Republicans may vote in favor of questioning, which would maybe throw it to a tie, and the Chief Justice would then have to make the the tie-breaking vote. I'm just wondering if Bernie might pull something like voting present, 
That way he's not voting for it or against it, but present, which would then allow him in the next vote, which is for acquittal, to go ahead and vote against acquittal. I'm just wondering what you think about that. Uh, You think Bernie wants to end this so he can get out on the campaign trail? Is that why you think he might do all this? Absolutely. I think he's sitting there seething because he can't be on the campaign trail. And the latest polls I saw had Biden ahead of him in Iowa. And if they go to witnesses, this thing's going to be drug out for months. There aren't going to be any witnesses. There there aren't going to be. But but I, I have a different take on Crazy Bernie. I think Crazy Bernie, am I wrong? He's cleaning everybody's clock in Iowa, right? Crazy, crazy, he he, perfectly fine with Klobuchar and Warren Focahontas and the rest of them not being able to go to Iowa this weekend to campaign. He's got a ground operation there, apparently, that's, that's, uh, that's doing pretty well. So I think... Uh, Everybody would. Everybody wants a big win in Iowa simply because of the momentum it gives you going into New Hampshire. You don't have to win Iowa to win the nomination uh, in either party. But I, I, I don't. See, Bernie can't vote present. Bernie can't do anything that cuts Trump a break without sabotaging his own campaign. Remember what his this lunatic base is demanding. Trump's got to be frog-marched out of wherever and sent to jail, maybe executed. If Crazy Bernie does anything that can be made to look like it's helping Trump, he's going to maybe hell to pay. And not to mention that his other senators' opponents in there would be able to accuse him of wimping out or playing politics for his own personal gain. <laughs> while the impeachment's going on. I don't know. I, you, last two calls, people ask me questions. I'm not even on the same wavelength and looking at it that way. So that's why I'm having to pause here. I'm having to consider things I haven't even thought about. So I'm having to think on the fly. But my, my fly reaction here is that Bernie can't afford to do anything that appears to be giving Trump a break. I could be wrong about it. We'll see. But... Well, I knew this is going to happen. You know, I play that soundbite of Adam Schiff, and I describe it. If you wonder what pathological lying is, here it is. How do you know, Rush? How do you know? I love you people that don't believe me. You you just step in it every time. Every time you think I'm making something up, it was the Washington Post. They've got some fact checker over there, a guy named Glenn Kessler. He gave Schiff four Pinocchio. Do you realize for the Washington Post to give any Democrat four Pinocchios is unprecedented. As far as the Washington Post is concerned, Democrats never lie. They can't lie. And they gave Adam Schiff four Pinocchios over his claim he never contacted the whistleblower, never met the whistleblower, doesn't know who the whistleblower is. Everybody knows that Schiff knows who the whistleblower is. Everybody knows how this whole thing was coordinated. Anyway, Mike in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Hi. How are you, sir? Bar and, Bar and Gunn have disappeared from the planet. 
Do you think they will ever prosecute any of the evildoers in Washington? Yeah, yeah. Barron, you mean Barron Durham, uh, John Durham, his uh, his lawyer. There's a grand jury. They got a grand jury out there. Grand juries mean indictments. Uh, it's whatever's going on. You're right. It's under the radar. And I, I know I'm on record. I've said when I saw that they impaneled a grand jury, I thought this, this is the best indication yet that uh, there will be indictments along the way here. That's why uh, you do a grand jury. I know it would, it would be great if during the middle of all this we could have some indictments announced. But I've never thought. Even even on those days where I think these guys are going to get something, I've never thought it was going to happen before June or July of this year. Again, folks, let me, I don't have a lot of time here to put this in perspective. This is, what these two guys are doing is huge. They are taking on a mammoth organization, the CIA in some cases, people there, the FBI elements of both of those organizations there's the, 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 the civil service court there they've got to make sure that when they pull a trigger on this it is slam dunk incontrovertible this is the kind of stuff that if they misfire here they're done it is a huge i can't tell you what a big undertaking this is so uh yeah i'm like you the longer it goes, the less likely it appears, but I'm still not convinced that's the case. Well, another exciting excursion into broadcast excellence hosted by me, America's real anchor man, is now in the can on the way over to Limbaugh Broadcast Museum, the virtual museum at RushLimbaugh.com. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll be right back here tomorrow for Open Line Friday. Thanks again, folks. Always appreciate your being here.